we're going to kick off a new series this uh, today. Um, it's kind of going to be a summer series. I actually don't know how many weeks we're going to go here, um, but the summer series is called Our Culture, and I actually want to just take a few weeks and break down a little bit um, about our City Lights Church core values. I want to just take a few weeks and kind of go through those a little bit more in depth. If you've gone through the Belong class, you've heard me mention these. We haven't really gone into the, any of them in great detail. And one of the reasons why I feel like it's a good time to do this is because we have, you know, we have Melinda and her team out prayer walking um, the city. We're doing that because I, I asked her to do this. We're doing this because I want to cover this entire city with prayer. And it's kind of a, um, we're thinking of it, you know, while the weather's nice, we're doing this, but kind of a ramp up leading into the fall. If you don't know, like church, church attendance, like, you know, kind of swells during the fall. There's usually a big influx of people. People get back in routines of life, and we're kind of looking for that, for that ramp up. And so I kind of consider the people that are here, um, for the most part, I consider you like our core group. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you've, you made it through lunch. You made it through our growing pains. You made it through watching my growing pains of being a lead pastor and sound issues and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but you're still here. So thank you for be, still being here. Yeah. Um, there are certain things. It's like we don't have all the things that like a lot of mega churches have. So I feel like if people are here, they must feel like they're called to be here. So, um, but you're our, you're our core group and you're the group that we're going to continue to build with this church and we're going to continue to reach the city. So we're looking for kind of that ramp up leading into the fall and we're going to prayer walk the city. But I really want this core group to um, kind of be well acquainted with what is the culture of City Lights Church. What is our what is our core values? That's our culture. And so we're going to go through those. I might not necessarily do them in order, and we might double up on some. I won't necessarily take 10 weeks because we have 10 core values. But um, when we put our core values into practice, that informs a church's culture. And uh, A.W. Tozer, he said this. He said, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. At City Lights Church, when I say think about God, there's like different, I, there's different viewpoints of God popping up all over the place. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but I, I venture to say that some of the viewpoint that some of you have about God, and maybe even some of my own perceptions, aren't necessarily 100% accurate, right? So to the best of our ability, when we have the Word of God and the Holy Spirit and we're following Jesus, we want to have an accurate picture of what God is like. And that'll help inform our core values, which informs our culture. So our prayer is that our core values um, are reflected in the way we think and we act and we engage our world, okay? So um, let me go through them real quickly. If you've heard these before in the Belong class, I'm not going to um, uh, hang on them a long time. I'm just going to pick one today. So our, our City Light Search core values. Number one, we love God passionately. This is our premier value. Um, number two, we are a family. We find belonging and well-being in an authentic community. Number three, we honor people. Every person is valuable and created in the image of God. Number four, God is good. This is a cornerstone of our theology as a church. He's a loving father who has good plans for our lives. Number five, anything is possible. God is willing and able to intervene in, in any and every situation in our lives. Number six, we rest in the finished work of the cross. The work of Jesus on the cross is complete. It purchased salvation and healing, both physically and emotionally and mentally, um, returning us to our created value. Number seven, we live generously. Number eight, we serve wholeheartedly. Number nine, we value the family of Christ. I just talked about that a minute ago. We're not in a competition with other churches. We're co-laborers here in the city with them. 
And number 10, we will go. We will, we will go shine the light and love in Jesus everywhere we go in our city. And so those are, our, those are the City Light Church core values, the things that when we, when we think, when we act, when we engage our world, we want to think from this perspective as a church. Um, I don't know, like, if, if you guys do this, but, like, you even have a personal set of core values, whether you've written them down or, or not. Like, there's a personal set of core values that you operate out of. I don't know if you've realized that. I would actually encourage you sometime, like, go through, like, what are my personal core values? Write down, like, personal core values to you. What, are, what kind of a person are you? But, um, so these are our core values. This informs our culture. And so your, the, our core is very important. When you're, when you're exercising your core, right? How many know your core is super important? That you work your core. Um, I'll give you a couple of illustrations. In, in boxing, for example, like this is an uppercut, but it's not a very good uppercut, right? Just, just this motion. A good uppercut is actually when you engage your core, right? A good hook is not just here. A good hook is when you engage your core. Similarly, you see marathon runners, sometimes later part of the race, their, their form will start to break down and they're slowing down because they, their, their core is getting tired, their body's getting tired. Weightlifters, right? This is the worst way to lift weights, just to just pick it straight up. Like, you need to engage your core when you lift. So, this morning, um, we're going to do some core work at City Lights Church. We're going to engage our core. Are you ready for this? All right, let's engage our core. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, it says this, um, Paul speaking, Do you not know that um, in a race all runners run, but only one gets a prize? Paul says this, run in such a way that you will get a prize. There's a heavenly reward. There's a heavenly prize. Think about that. Everyone who competes in a game goes into strict training. They do, um, they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Verse 26, therefore, I do not run um, like someone aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer who beats the air. No, I strike and blow my body and make it a slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for, for the prize. Listen, as a church, I don't know if you realize this, but you can expend a lot of energy on a lot of different things, right? Um, but that's not necessarily what you want to put your energy towards. And if we know, as a church, we know what we're doing and we know, we know why we're doing it, that's going to be a whole lot more effective than if we just have a bunch of religiosity, just religious exercises that we're doing to make ourselves feel like we're spiritual, Right? But if we know who we are, what we're about, and what we're doing, that is so much more effective. And honestly, um, you, can, you can get a lot done and know a lot more about who you are and what your purpose is in life by knowing like, what you're not about, what you're not called to. Like, for example, I'm not, I'm not working on this. Like, I'm, not, I'm not a worship leader, so like, I can sing. I sing. I worship the Lord. It's awesome. He loves me. Here's my heart. You know. <laughs> But I'm not like spending time doing voice lessons, working on it, because it's just not my gift, okay? So like, I'm not about, that's not my thing. I'm not about that. And so you can, you can honestly know, like, um, it helps you a lot to know, like, what you're called to, what your strengths are, and what your strengths are not. That can be just as effective sometimes. And so in high school, I had this auto shop teacher, and he's kind of an old hippie. And he'd, he would say, like, that's not my bag, you know? Hey, that's not my bag, man. And we're like, what are you talking about? Not your bag. And then we're like, okay, we're, we're learning about more than just auto shop. We're learning about what happened in the 60s and 70s. But uh, <clears throat> he's like, that's not my bag. And so um, it's good to know what's, what's not your bag, right? Um, so touch your neighbor and say, that's not my bag. 
some of you are like, touching my neighbor is not my bag. So, <laughs> all right. Anyway. So as a church, we're going we're gonna to work on core today. All right. Um, today I want to talk about our premier value of loving God passionately. That's our premier value as a church. And um, we'll get into the why. Why is that our premier value? Why is that the most important thing to us? Um, like, why isn't our premier value giving to the needy? You know, like certainly giving to the needy is good and important. Um, but our, our mission statement actually as a church is to shine, shine the light and love of Jesus everywhere we go. We exist to light up the world with the love of Jesus. A lot of churches, I hear, <laughs> you hear the statement a lot when you go to visit churches, but they'll say like, things like, we want to keep the main thing, the main thing. And that's good. You should keep the main thing, the main thing. But sometimes they don't go on to tell you what the main thing is. Like, what is the main thing, you know? And it's kind of ambiguous. Like, we will keep the main thing, the main thing, if we know what the main thing is. This is the main thing, by the way, for this church, is to love God passionately. That's our goal. That is our heart. That is our first priority, is to love God, to encounter him through praise and worship. That is our first goal and our first priority as a church. Why isn't it give to the needy? Like, we just gave to our city, and, and, and that's super important. Because listen, if you, if you launch out to um, give to the needy or do these other things, you might be ministering out of an identity crisis. You might not be doing it for the right reasons. Although you're doing the right thing, it might not be for the right reasons. And so the title of my message today is called The Ultimate Summit. The highest high, the ultimate summit. Um, for those of you don't, um, don't, well, most of you probably wouldn't realize this, but um, yesterday was the one-year anniversary of the Kurt Climbs fundraiser, where we, we hiked 14, 14 years and 14 days to raise money um, for this church. And um, so yesterday was the one-year anniversary, and um, you, I, I don't know if I've ever explained this really, but I, I thought about beforehand, I was like, what do I want our story to be as a church? You know, that's a good question to ask, by the way. Like, sometimes I would be um, counseling people, and they'll tell me a story about how they met a girl or a guy, and I'm like, you want that to be your story? Like, your grandkids, you met him at Burning Man? Like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, if you weren't saved, that'd be fine, but, like, they're going to ask you, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> like, you got to think about this. What do you want your story to be? So I asked the question, like, what do I... Like, years from now, what do I want the story of City Lights Church to be like? And so when you're, when you're planning a church, a lot of the counsel they give you is like, you know, you got to sit, you got to find people with deep pockets, rich businessmen, sit down with them, share the vision, and then do the ask, you know, make sure they ask, you know, for your support and whatever. And I just like thought, that's really nauseating to me. I don't want to sit down and ask people for money. I'm not like against it. It's, it's, you know, I'm not totally against it, but it's like, you know, some churches do, it's great. I'm like, what do I want my story to be? Like, I want my story to be something way cooler. So I prayed about it, and I felt like God gave us the idea of hiking 14, 14 years in 14 days, and it was fun. And um, um, so, by the way, if you want a snapshot of what that was like, um, hiking 14, 14 years in 14 days, I've made a video wrap-up. It's an amateur video. It's not very good. Um, I'm not going to play it because... We don't need to do that, <laughs> but um, I'll probably post to my Facebook page later today, and if you want to, like, hey, what was this like over the course of eight days, um, you can check that out, but if you don't have a Facebook page, go ahead and put that picture up, JD. This is what it was like, hiking 14, 14 years and 14 days. Day one, let's raise money for Jesus, Woohoo! Day two, this is great. Day three, so far, so good. Day four, I'm like, maybe this isn't such a good idea. <laughs> Day five, uh-oh, bad things are happening. Uh, day, day seven, uh, I'm suffering. Day eight, I don't even know what was happening. Uh, day nine, I don't, or day 10, I don't know what day it is. 
Uh, day 11 through 12, I just wanted to go home at that point. And the last one, I, I died. So there you go. That's what it's like hiking 14, 14ers in 14 days. So if you don't have a Facebook page, there you go. If you do, check it out later today. So, but the question today for us is, what is the ultimate summit? What is the highest achievement or the optimal goal for anyone's life? And now I'm asking this question to a lot of different people. There are probably a lot of different things that are going on in your mind right now. Like for some people, it's to win a Nobel Peace Prize. For some people, it's to have the you know, white picket fence uh, with the perfect lawn, right? Um, you know, so I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe you're hearing like, you know what, the, the highest thing, the best thing, the highest achievement I could have, it's if I could just this, if I could just that. Like, I don't know what's going on in your mind right now. But I just, before I get in, into talking about what the ultimate summit is, I want to highlight that there is something called a false summit. When you're hiking, there's something called a false summit. And so I'm using the 14ers thing as a springboard into talking about this. Um, I need to talk to you about false summit. What is a false summit? A false summit is we've been hiking all day and you're trying to get to the top and you get to, you know, you're working really hard. You get to what you think like, oh, this is the top. I'm almost there. This is so great. And then you get there like, and then you realize like, oh my gosh, that's the actual summit. You realize that like you haven't arrived. You have way more, way further to go. This actually just happened to us a couple weeks ago. We were in the San Juans. <laughs> we all had a just a terrible experience here, but we had already hiked Red Cloud, which is a 14er. We, and we went over, this is with our girls, we hiked um, Sunshine Peak, and then we were coming back, and my daughter, Evie, she's like, she's starting to bonk a little bit, so she's dragging. I'm really tired. I'm like, okay, well, it's right there, babe. It's right there. You just got to get there, and then it's all downhill after that, because we had the read traverse. We had to go back over Sunshine, or Red Cloud, and so... And I'm pushing, I'm like, yep, we're almost there. It's going to be great. And then just as we come around to the top, it was like, oh, my gosh. Like, it's, we got to go back over that. It was, like, way far away, way high. And it was like, it honestly took, like, the breath out of me. Like, it, I was shocked by, like, what we were going to have to do. And this girl here, you know, Evie, she was, like, already dragging. So I'm like, okay, give her some snacks. Give her some water. I'm like, I want you to take this pill. What is it? I'm like, don't worry about it. I took a caffeine pill, cut in half. Like, I take a caffeine pill. <laughs> So I cut one and a half for her. I'm like, take this. And about 15 minutes later, she was like, this is a great day. <laughs> I was concerned that I had given her too much. So <laughs> we doped her up. And uh, this is doping for our family. Anyway, so I gave her some caffeine. And then we managed to get over that other summit. But Emily will tell you, like, that was a... I was shocked by that, that fall summit. Like, we thought we were there. It was all going to be downhill at that point. I was like, oh, my gosh, we got to get to the top of that. So there are false summits in life, okay? Um, most, listen, I think most people live their lives chasing after what I would refer to as a false summit. It's not the highest high. It's not the, the best that's possible. And I want to say that... Um, Chasing these false summits is actually based upon a legitimate need. We all have legitimate needs. For example, you have a legitimate need for love. You have a legitimate need for value. You have a legitimate need for significance. But sometimes the legitimate um, need for love is lost in the pursuit of like a perfect body. Or the, the legitimate need for value is lost in the pursuit of having perfect straight A's, having college degrees, or um, being, being great at a sport. 
Or sometimes the legitimate need to have significance and purpose is lost in the pursuit of a big house, an expensive car, a six-figure salary, or just being uh, you know, popular, whatever. Or sometimes it's, it's lost in the pursuit of the next guy or the next girl, right? And so um, <clears throat> we all have those legitimate needs for love, value, and significance, and that's not wrong. But here's the thing. What makes you think you're not loved, you're not valued, and you're not significant. If you have that deficit already, if you, if you, start, if you wake up the day and don't feel loved, valued, and, and, and significant, you will live your life trying to become those things, and you've already started from the wrong place. So we have to wake up in the morning knowing that we already have those things. And if you're hearing a voice that says you're not loved, you're not valued, you're not significant, I just want to propose to you that maybe you're listening to the wrong voice. And if you're chasing after things to answer those questions, Maybe you're chasing after the wrong things. Um, we all have a legitimate need for, as humans, the, the pursuit of pleasure in life. Um, but sometimes the pursuit of pleasure is lost in the, um, the pursuit of promiscuity, drugs, and alcohol. Pleasure is a legitimate need, and you were created to experience it. And King David actually says this, Psalm 16, verse 11. He says, you have made known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures, at your right hand. Eternal, notice the key word is eternal pleasures, not pleasures that, sh um, that fade. Now, I know this sounds like a little cliche, but there really is, there really is a God-shaped hole in everyone's heart. There really is a God-shaped hole that only he can fulfill and, and fill. This is why the Bible says that Jesus, talks about Jesus as being the desire of all nations. He is who you've been waiting for. He is who you need and who you've been looking for is relationship through Jesus. Another way to say, um, false summits is actually lesser glories. There's the glory of knowing who your father is and being loved by him and, and, and all that. And then there's the pursuit of lesser glories in life. And hear this, even acts of, even acts of merit and nobility can fall short of what the ultimate summit is. And again, I'm not saying that acts of merit and nobility aren't wrong. They're obviously great and we should be doing them. But even those can be false summits. You think like, even if I do something good, like that'll be the, the best thing for me. And, and yeah, usually the happiest people are people who are helping others, who go serve at soup kitchens, that kind of stuff. But even that can be a false summit for, for people. So nothing wrong with straight A's, nothing wrong with big houses, nothing wrong with cars, six-figure six salaries. Um, and there's certainly nothing wrong with um, nobility and good deeds, but all these can even be defined as false summits and lesser glories. Um, have you guys ever... <clears throat> <clears throat> have you ever heard the, um, have you ever heard it said that the enemy of, oh, I'm going to read it. Good is the enemy of best. I don't know why I couldn't remember that. That's not too hard. <laughs> when listen, when you're up here, it's different. Okay. <laughs> Things that normally happen right away just vanish into thin air. Good, good is the enemy of best. And listen, the enemy of your soul, Satan, he will get you, hear this, he will get you chasing after good if it will keep you away from best any day of the week. Maybe, maybe the enemy of your soul can't get you to cheat on your spouse and, and steal money. Maybe he can't get you to do that. But maybe he can distract you from what the highest thing and the best thing for your life is. Maybe he can distract you with other things. Okay? And he will take that any day of the week. He'll take, he'll take good over your best any day of the week. So the question this morning, what is the ultimate summit? Listen to this. King David answers it like this. What is the ultimate summit? What is the highest high? King David says this, Psalm 27, verse 4. He says this, One thing I ask 
of the Lord. This is what I seek, that, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Well, wait a minute. How do you gaze upon the beauty of the Lord? Like, isn't God invisible? Yeah, he's not talking about something he can see with his eyes. He's talking about something he can perceive with his heart. Like, we can connect with God and perceive him with our heart. We can gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and his holiness every single day. Come on. That's, what, that's the way David puts it. Jesus said it like this. Jesus is praying a prayer to the Father here in, in John 17, 3. Jesus said this. Now, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. He said, this is eternal life. In other words, you don't have to wait for you to die. You can have, you experience eternal life today. This is eternal life, to know the one uh, true God and, the, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The Apostle Paul, listen to how he puts this. The Apostle Paul puts it like this. Philippians 3, uh, 7 through 8. This is in the Amplified Version. He says, But whatsoever former things were gains to me, as I thought then, these things, once regarded as advancements in merit, I have come to consider it as loss, absolutely worthless for the sake of Christ and the purpose which he has given me my life. But more than that, I count everything lost compared to the privilege, the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him. A joy unequaled for this, for the, his sake, I have lost everything and I consider it all garbage so that I may gain Christ. So listen, the apostle Paul in his day, a Jewish man in his day, he said he was a Hebrew of Hebrews circumcised on the eighth day. Like, he learned from the best teachers. He had prestige and pomp. Like, he had it all. Paul was like the guy that you wanted to be in, in Israel in that day. And then Jesus comes along and he reveals himself to Paul. You know, Paul was on a donkey and got knocked off. He got knocked off his ass, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you were falling asleep, but I had to do that. Yeah, King James Version. He got knocked off his ass. So... That's KJV right there. <laughs> Paul has all these amazing things. He's pursuing Christians, killing Christians, like, right? He's perse persecuting them like crazy. He was like the guy you wanted to be. And he said when Jesus revealed himself to him, he gladly gave all that stuff up. He gladly laid all that stuff down for the sake of knowing Jesus, for the sake of coming closer to Jesus. This is the ultimate summit. This is the highest high. This is the best thing. This is, you can't do better than this. And so listen, I just want to say to you, if you're pursuing things in life because you're trying to get somewhere, if I could just, watch out for that word. Watch out for that phrase. If I could just, if I could only. Like we wake up every day and happiness is like just over the cognitive horizon. It's just, just a little further, right? But that's not the way it is with the kingdom of God. It's today, it's, it's right now, it's, it's in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on. So you can clap. It's all good. This is why our premier value as a church is we, we want to love the Lord passionately. And it's really just a response to he loved us first. When we understand we have a revelation of how much he loved us, we can turn around and love God passionately. That's our number one priority. More than like we exist to shine like as a church, we exist to light up our world with the love of Jesus. But that's not going to happen if we don't have some things in the right order, Right. We'll try to shine, but we'll have it out of an identity crisis. We'll have it out of a deficit. We'll have it out of trying to be good enough. And so we want to love God passionately. First, it's an overflow. It's like, you know, those fountains where they fill up the top tier and then it overflows the next and overflows the next. That's what it's like 
in, a, in your pursuit of your relationship with Jesus. When you're doing that, for, when you're doing the first thing first, you're putting the first thing first, which is love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, there is an overflow into the other parts of your life. And you can't help, listen, if you live that way, we won't be able to stop you from serving. <laughs> we won't be able to stop you from giving and serving and loving because it will be, you can't help it. It will be a natural overflow of your life. We don't have to get behind people and serve, love people, right? If, if you're putting this premier value first, you won't be able to help it. It'll be a natural thing for you. <clears throat> Paul considered it all rubbish, junk, and nothing compared to the greatness of knowing Jesus. Sometimes the things that you thought were important are not important. Have you ever like gone after something, you achieved that thing, and you're like, I thought I'd feel different right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, um, I'll give you an example. Um, I had a goal to run 1,500 miles in one year, and I did that in 2016. And that was a cool goal. I, like, it kept me motivated all year. And uh, I ran 1,500 miles in a year. It was like a little over 30 miles a week. And like, I got done, and I was like, I realized I actually was in the pursuit of that goal that made me, like, made me happier. But, like, um, but it wasn't the ultimate satisfying thing, right? There's a lot of things that we'll do in life and try to do. It's not ultimately going to be the thing that satisfies you. And I, I've been there several times in my life. I'm like, this is it. This is going to make me happy. If you just get there and you get there and you're like, it still feels empty right here. <laughs> There's still a hole right here in my heart, <laughs> you know. So um, sometimes the thing you thought were important were not important. Um, I have a video to illustrate this. Go ahead and, go ahead and roll that one, J.D. Look at this stuff. This is history. You're crazy. This is God's Crazy. One of the one of the best boxers of all time. In fact, when we get to heaven, one of the questions I want to ask God is, who would win between a fight in their prime, Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson? <laughs> Those, those are the deep questions, right? <laughs> I think God can make them both in their prime. I don't know. Hopefully, I don't know. They might not be there. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> Mike Tyson is not a Christian, but he did, he did realize something, that the thing that he thought was going to make him happy being world champ, the youngest world champion um, ever, I mean, the guy was a mauler. Like, he has all these things. He realized, you know what? Those are nothing like, this is garbage compared to what really makes me happy is, like, loving my family, being with my family, pursuing that together. Paul thought he had obtained the ultimate summit. Mike Tyson thought he had obtained the ultimate summit. Have you guys ever been there? Okay. Um, go ahead and put up that picture. This is, um, this is Long's Peak um, from Mount Meeker. So Mount Meeker's um, just across. It's a 13er. I'm looking at a 14er. I took this picture. And if I said, hey... Why don't you go hike up to the top of Long's Peak? It looks pretty straightforward, right? You're just going to go right up that way. <laughs> Alex is laughing. The worst hike I ever led was with Alex. <laughs> I took people up a really tough route on a windy day. And anyway, almost killed some people. Anyway, <laughs> Alex, Alex can testify to you that you cannot just walk across that saddle and up to the top of Long's Peak. Okay, here's why. Go to the next picture. Okay, so if you're coming from the, the left to the right to get to the top, there's that notch right there. You see that big old notch? That's a several hundred feet drop. So you cannot just go from that saddle 
up to the top of Long's Peak, that is not only a false summit, that is like a deadly summit. <laughs> like, you don't even want to go there. And so, um, <clears throat> go to the last picture. Rather, if you want to get to the top of Long's Peak from Mount Meeker, from the saddle there between the two, you have to go follow that green line down and around because other, you can avoid the false summit if you do that. I remember I was hiking this one time, and there were some guys that were like going up that way. I'm like, don't go that way. And they're like, hey, we're going, yeah. I'm like, no, listen, don't go that way. It's a false summit. Are you going to the top, right? Yeah, we're on top. I'm like, don't go that way. And they're like, no, it's this way. I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> Do whatever you want. And so I hike around, and I'm coming up the right way, and I see them at the top of this cliff, and they're all just like <laughs> standing there. I'm like, it's this way. <laughs> Told you, it's this way. So <laughs> that is how you get to the top of Long Speed from Mount Meeker. That is a false summit. That notch right there is a false summit. And so many people spend their lives chasing after false summits, things that won't actually satisfy you in your heart. I feel like as a pastor, sometimes I'm talking to a generation where like they're chasing empty pursuits. I'm like, don't go that way. That's a false summit. And they're like, we're good. We're good. And usually their answer is like this. I'm a good person. I'm like, what is being a good person? I'm not even talking about that. I'm not talking about being a good person here. I'm talking about what will satisfy your heart. Like what will make this place feel content and full and happy. I'm not talking about you being a good person. Don't go that way. It's an empty pursuit. And uh, sometimes people listen, sometimes they don't. So, but listen, last year when I hiked the 14ers um, to raise money for Sea Lights Church, um, the alt- for me, honestly, the ultimate summit was not on the top of any of those mountains. For me, many times, the ultimate summit was just me and Jesus in my tent. Like just me and Jesus hanging out Times of intimacy where I'm like, God, is this the right thing? Am I supposed to be doing this? Am I supposed to be starting a church? Are people going to give? Are people going to come? <laughs> you know, like, you know, the things that are literally keeping me awake at night. And like, listen, it's in those places where Jesus was like, showed me, it doesn't matter if people give, and it doesn't matter if people come. Like, I've called you to do this, and they will, and they, they will give, and they will come. But that doesn't matter for your love and value and significance. Like, you are already loved, you're already valued, you are already significant. That's why when we did our interest socials, and I say this every belong class, I say that when, I, when my life was transitioning, I just told the Lord, I don't need ministry for me. I don't need it to, like, wake up in the mornings that I have something to wake up for. I don't, I don't need to be up here for me. Like, I already know, like, I'm loved, I'm valued, I'm significant. I don't, there's nothing I need and nothing that can take that away that I'm already loved, I'm already valued. Or significant. So whether people gave or not, whether people came to church or not, like I knew who I was. Come on. That's good right there. And so um, Emily and I would, and actually a worship team, if you guys want to come up, that'd be awesome. Um, Emily and I had driven, we've driven by there a couple times where I stayed. And a couple times I'm like, can we, can we go to that campsite? And she's like, oh, it's a stupid campsite. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't really want to stay. And I'm kind of, a, well, let's go. And she's like, why? This, you just camped there. Like, do you want to, let's go to the mountain that you hiked. You know what I mean? But honestly, that place I camped was a special place for me because that's the place where Jesus encountered me. That's the place where I laid my insecurities on the line. That's the place where I laid, you know, everything on the line. And, just, and he assured me, like Jesus came and he spoke to me and he, he told me who I was. He spoke to my heart. He gave me dreams. He assured me whether people came or not or gave or not, like I was already loved, valued, and significant. And listen, there are times in my life, I've done this over and over, like I could take you to physical play, like locations 
where I can say, like, I encountered God in that place. I, there's seasons where I've gone through, they're just terrible seasons. But, like, there's a cornfield I could take you to where I've encountered Jesus. Like, just me out with Jesus, praying, praying in the Spirit, like, working through things in life. And there's places I could take you there are precious places where God encountered me. I, how many of you have a place like that where you can point to a physical location and say, that's where God encountered me. That's where he spoke to me. That's when he did that amazing thing to me. <clears throat> One time I was... I used to do that a lot, and sometimes I still do. There's this cornfield I go to. I'm not going to tell you where it is because I don't want you to be there when I show up. <laughs> it's my place with Jesus. <laughs> but one time I was out there, and it's by like an oil well, and I'm out there pouring my heart out to God. <clears throat> I'm out there pouring my heart out to God, and, and he's speaking to me, and I'm actually crying. Like, I'm ugly crying, right? I'm out there like pouring my heart out to Jesus, ugly crying. And... Uh, this oil worker truck pulls up. I'm like, oh gosh, I didn't know someone was here. You know, I'm really kind of embarrassed because I'm crying or whatever. He probably thought my girlfriend dumped me or something crazy, you know what I mean? But I was working through some stuff for sure. And, uh, you know, it was kind of embarrassing, but like that's the kind of place that was for me. I would just go and pour my heart out to God, you know? And it's in that place where Jesus showed me who I was. He showed me that I'm loved, valued, significant. So like, I don't need you to love me. I already know he loves me, you know? And I can love you. Like, without you needing, I don't need you to love me for me to love you, right? Because I'm already loved. And this, listen, this is important with just our commission to the world to, to go make disciples. If we need people to love us before we can love them, like, there's something missing here. But if we have all the love we need from our creator, then guess what? We have an overflow. And it doesn't matter if they persecute us. It doesn't matter if they slap us. It doesn't matter if they make fun of us, right? It doesn't matter because we already know who we are. Come on. It's good stuff right there. So listen, um, my charge to you today is don't spend your life chasing false summits. Spend your time, your money, resources creating memories with God. Okay, create memories with God. This is how you create a history with God is by creating memories with him. And so may the greatest achievement be that you are, you are already standing on the summit of Jesus' heart. You've already conquered his heart. You've conquered the heart of the king. Now let him conquer your heart. Let him conquer your heart. We have conquered his, now let him conquer yours. You are, listen, you are the object of God's affection. And so I just encourage you, create memories with God. Go deep with him. It is the ultimate summit. Love him passionately. That's our premier value. So, awesome. Listen, I'm going to, before we, before we transition with the service here, I just want to pause. I want to speak to a specific group of people that maybe you're here in this room. Um, and throughout the service, there's been some things happening. You see people worshiping, connecting with God. There's life happening. But in your own heart, you feel distant. You feel alienated. You feel separated. I've talked about relationship with Jesus, and you can't say that you have a relationship with Jesus. But the good news is I want, to, I want you to know that you can leave this place knowing that you've begun a relationship with the living God. And so if that makes sense to you and you're here and you want to begin a relationship with the living God, you want to place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, you can do that before you leave this place. Coming to God is really simple. It's not you coming, trying to clean yourself up, making yourself a better person. You come as you are, and you just surrender. You say, God, my life is yours. You come as you are. If that makes sense to you and you're here, and you want to receive, listen, salvation, the gift of God, um, the gift of a right and restored relationship with him, it's a gift. He gives it to all who would ask, to all who would call out to him. And so if you're here and you want to receive this gift, usually I have everyone, like, eyes up and 
you know, all that. I want to do something different today. I actually feel like I'm supposed to do this today. I'm going to have everyone bow your heads and close your eyes because some of you need to make this personal decision. I have the sense that maybe there's some people here. Um, yeah, it's just between you and God today, all right? You'll have a chance later to shout it out to the world. But if you're here and you want to receive that free gift of salvation that God offers everyone, with everyone's head bowed, everyone's eyes closed, if you want to just say, yeah, that's me, how many here would say, that's me? Would you just kind of stretch your hand up and um, just show me like, yep, that's me. I'm here today. I need to place my faith in Jesus. How many would say, I'm looking for your hand and I'm looking for it right now. Anybody here? Praise God. Yes, I see that hand. Yeah, how many others? How many others? I'll wait just a moment longer. I can never see in the balcony, but I assume you're up there. <laughs> All right, listen, you can put those hands down. Listen, I'm going to pray a prayer. And those of you placing your faith and trust in Jesus, beginning a relationship with him today, um, I want you to pray this prayer after me. Mean it with all of your heart. It's not in the eloquence of the words that I'm going to say. It's in the cry of the heart. So everyone repeat this prayer after me if you would. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came to this world and you died on the cross for my sins. I thank you that you loved me first. Today, I place my faith and trust in you. Jesus Christ, I give you my life. I give you my past, my present, my future. Be my Lord, be my God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's put your hands together. All right, listen, to those um, of you that made that decision today, I just want to have you do one additional thing. There's a connection card in the seat back in front of you. If you would do me a favor, do us, do yourself a favor, actually, fill that card out to completion. Indicate that um, you placed your faith and trust in Jesus today, that you made that decision. And on the way out, there's some buckets. If you just drop that in those buckets, that would be awesome. Um, what we'll do with that is we'll use that to send you a letter. Just say, hey, there's some next steps in this relationship that you've begun today, and we want to make sure to get those next steps in your hand. One of those next steps is water baptism, for example. That's where you can make this a public declaration of your faith, right? And so that's one of the things we want to get in your hands. So if you would do that for us, that would be amazing. Um, we already took up the offering, but just drop those on the way out. And um, yeah, I'm going to pray, and then we'll just close with one, one song here. So Father, we thank you for today. I thank you for every individual in this room, God. God, I've said some words <clears throat> that... Um, I need you to communicate to a heart, Lord God. I ask that there would be a voice that goes beyond my voice, but a voice that goes into hearts, Lord God, that you, Holy Spirit, would just speak to hearts and show us who we are, God. Show us that we are loved, valued, and accepted. God, this is, our, um, this, is, this is what we're supposed to pursue in life, God. This is actually what will satisfy us as a relationship with the living God. So, Lord, we just, um, I pray that over every individual here, Lord God. If we're chasing insignificant things or other things that we think are going to make us happy, nothing wrong with goals, nothing wrong with having other things, but if we're pursuing those things for that ultimate satisfaction, God, I just pray we'd repent, lay those things down, God. If you want to pursue those things with us, Jesus, awesome, but God, we don't go to those things to find out who we are. We go to you to find out who we are. So we love you, God. We thank you for today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.